Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm a, you know, he, his big line to me is you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was, Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice, the blood of Christ, and the bread as participation in the body of Christ, and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice which is in the Eucharist or not. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. And uh, wherever you are listening, however you are listening, thank you for joining us. As always, uh, I want to remind you that you can connect with us on social media, on uh, email as well. Our email is very simple, S-E-W-I-N-G, hope at patchworkheart.org. Uh, but it wouldn't be a show without my co-host, Ann DeSantis. Uh, welcome, Ann, and how are you this evening? Oh, great, Bill. Thank you so much. Great to be here. <laughs> yes, it is. It is great to be here. And uh, we have a great guest. You want to tell us about her tonight? Yes, we have our friend, Blythe Kaufman, and she is the founder of the Child Consecration. So very excited for people to find out more about uh, what she's done for ch uh, children in the realm of uh, growing in our Catholic faith. There's so much to talk about. So Blythe, I welcome you to Sewing Hope. Oh, thank you so much, Anne, and thank you to Bill as well for having me on the on the podcast. Absolutely, uh, it, you know you 
you, you have a great journey and you have a wonderful journey that's just, um, you know, kind of uh, shrouded in the Blessed Mother, you know, underneath the Blessed Mother's mantle. And uh, I, I would love it if you just talk with us a little bit about the, you know, the whole ministry, um, you know, before we dive into the child consecration life. I mean, just, just talk with us a little bit about your journey, um, you know, uh, being a wife, a mother, uh, a dentist, <laughs> you know, you have a, you have a yes. very unique story. Just tell us a little bit about... Um, about your faith journey and and how uh, it's led you to do wonderful things through our Blessed Mother to and and Jesus. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, yes. Uh, what just to give you a snapshot, uh, I grew up uh, Catholic and went to a Catholic school. Worked in my parish rectory, helping to serve dinner to the priests. I went to World Youth Day. I was pretty active as a young person, uh, but in my twenties, I really kind of fell away. I, I would go to Sunday mass, but I was really what you consider a lukewarm Catholic. I was pretty busy with studies. I was going to dental school and graduated and uh, went on to do a residency for three more years in endodontics, which is like root canals and surgeries and things. So, um, and in all that busyness of study, I really got caught up in the world. And so about at age 30, um, I had just, uh, I'd been married a few years to my husband who I met in medical school. Um, so he was a physician. We just bought a house. I found out I was pregnant. And in that kind of whirlwind of trying to achieve all these sort of materialistic goals that I had set for myself, success, success um, I found that I was diagnosed with this uh, genetic connective tissue disorder. And it's, um, I went to see a geneticist while I was pregnant. And he said, we don't really recommend, we don't recommend pregnancy because this can often uh, cause a steep decline in your condition. And you'll see postpartum some significant disability. And I'd already started having a lot of problems with my hands anyway, dislocating my thumbs and having problems where I had to stop working. Um, but I had really no idea the extent of what was going to happen. So um, sure enough, after my son Asher was born, um, really almost like all my joints in my body became completely unstable. And I was dislocating joints in my hands. Um, I stopped being able to really walk any distance or stand for more than just a minute or two. So, you know, I'd have to be driven to like, if I would visit someone two houses down, um, I couldn't stand at mass. I'd often sit in the far back of the church. And if um, I was so embarrassed because I couldn't shake people's hands, uh, I couldn't stand for a lot of parts of the mass. And yet I looked so healthy and normal. So it was a really, really humbling experience to go through this, to see all of these things that, you know, I had built up. I had come from a, a single parent family. So I always felt like I had to stand on my own two feet and I had to have a career and I had to do all these things. And so this was just kind of like ripping this all down and slowly, um, you know, my, my condition deteriorated even further where I was in excruciating pain with dislocations in my hands, elbow, I had a frozen shoulder. I remember um, it finally got to the point where uh, I was at a, I, I broke down to go to confession and I, I hadn't really been turning to our Lord through any of this. I'd been just searching to find someone to find a, a cure for me or some sort of medication I could take. But finally I, I, um, I did a divine mercy chapel uh, novena and then ended up at confession. And I, I was crying. I was pouring out my heart. And I remember just trying to blow my nose and dislocating something in my hand. And I was just like, I am just so pathetic. Like I can't even cry about this without injuring myself. <laughs> and at that moment, um, I was really, I had lost so much hope and that was really the turning point. And from that moment, that confession, hope came back into my heart. So I was, it's interesting that, you know, this is programs called sewing hope because um, I know what it's like to be at the end of your ropes and to really not have anything to look forward to just, I mean, I was because of my shoulder was so bad. I could barely put my hand to my, to my hair. So I could barely like wash my hair. It was all, I mean, just my old appearance had deteriorated so badly as well that it just in every way I felt so low, but then, um, pretty much, uh, at that point I started to pray. Um, I felt hope come back. My body started to stabilize slowly, but not to the point of being normal. Um, the Lord really kept me, has kept me even to this point on the edge of a cliff where I know at any moment I could come tumbling down and be back to that situation. So I need, I still need help with almost everything that you would imagine in daily living. So I need help opening the refrigerator door. I can't cook things. I can't drive anymore. Um, and I, I can't practice dentistry. I can teach, which has worked out to be a beautiful blessing. Um, 
and I've been able to walk further. So that's been a very big help and I'm not in, an, in horrible pain, but I do have injuries that happen that are painful and then treatments that are painful. But, but um, our Lord has, it's like, I know the other routes, I've tried them and they don't work. And so at that point, I pretty much said to our Lord, you know, you lead the way, um, you know, St. Peter said, where else would we go? You know, that's where I was at. Where else would I go, Lord? This is it. So he's, um, from that moment, I think our Lord had some, had some plans. Um, and I was such a stubborn soul that he maybe wouldn't have had to like smush someone so low as, as that I had to go, but that I was just a stubborn and very prideful soul. Um, and, and so it required that kind of, um, suffering to really pull that, you know, that's that surrender. And so now, um, that led me to, to go back to, I started to go into daily mass, praying the rosary after mass with some women, and also started praying the rosary with my children. I should mention we adopted two children because my health was so poor. So we adopted two older children from an orphanage in Kazakhstan. So we adopted an eight-year-old girl and a four-year-old, her four-year-old brother, who was biological brother for her. So we went from one child to three pretty quickly when my, our youngest was um, 18 months. And, um, so um, through all this, we started to pray the rosary as a family, um, one, one first one rosary. And then my youngest, uh, our middle son said he thought we should probably, our Lord was asking us to pray more. So we actually started playing three rosaries a day. And we've continued to do that for um, quite a long time. But in the midst of that, a few months later, a call for help came from a pastor. And he was worried for the future of his church. And he was thinking that maybe it might because of financial constraints, um, have to fuse with another parish. And so we asked for increased um, donations and those unfortunately didn't seem to come. So we, he came back asking for help and uh, in prayer an idea came, maybe we should bring our children to pray for the parish. And we know how, how special the prayers of children are to our Lord. And so I asked permission and it was granted and on um, April 10th, 2011, a small group of children met in our um, lower church, a chapel, and prayed the rosary. And interestingly enough, it was the, that weekend was the highest collection, second only to Eastern Christmas for the rest of the year. A little signal, grace, the power of the prayers of children. And um, we asked the other families, like, well, should this just be a one-time thing or should we maybe continue this? And they wanted to continue it. And so it ultimately became a prayer group. And as it progressed after about a year and a half, another group formed on the other side of the country and other people would hear about it and it continued to spread. And it's now in about 34, well, more than 34 countries around the world. So um, that's kind of how some little, little tiny thing, um, you know, that our Lord liked. He likes to use, I don't know, small things to show his glory. And he likes to show that someone who couldn't do anything themselves, um, you know, is, was the starting point. So clearly this is not something that was through my any of my own strength because I really, I'm like a, a one-year-old in strength, you know, in terms of what I can do. So yeah. I just, you know, share that as giving glory to our Lord for what he's, um, what he's done through the prayers of children. You know, it's, it's amazing. Your, you know, your story is so incredible. I remember, um, I, I kind of right after you had started the, um, the, the children's rosary. Uh, we had met at a Catholic marketing network uh, shortly after that, and it was just your 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 story was captivating and powerful then. But man, it's even more captivating and powerful now just to see how long this has continued, right? Like the, you know, you know, our Lord has has just continued to bless you and bless the movement so that it's been in 34 countries. I mean, it's in 34 countries around the world that uh, you know the amazing work that you do. Um, through, through this, um, through this rosary, and and as you said, it's it speaks volumes about the power of children's prayer, and that and that you know uh, I, I think there's a lot of people out there right now that that especially listening to this on a program called Sowing Hope, right, uh, where we where we talk about you know needing hope, and people think, oh, I'm not good enough, oh, I can't, there's no way that I could you know accomplish anything great. Or, or, or do anything big for the Lord, but it's not necessarily about that, is it? It's about doing those small things that with, with, uh, with just humility and an open heart, and man, the Lord just takes it and makes it fly. And so uh, it, it's so powerful and such a wonderful testament to, to the amazing work that, that you've been doing uh, with this over, oh gosh, it's been 10 years, right? <laughs> it's been 10 years. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's gone by fast. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely gone by fast. And and I think some people should, um, a lot of times people share different suffering um, that with me. And and I, I do see that um, the Lord will use this uh, sometimes as I, I see the suffering and, and all of these things that have had to like break away kind of what all the times when we think we are, our strength is holding the situation up or ourselves up that our Lord um, needs us to move to another level. And so he gives us these crosses to help us to advance spiritually and also for spiritual protection, because I don't think that I would be able to do this, you know, be involved with this ministry, the extent as, you know, as the founder um, without this armor of humility, because I have to ask for help at every turn. Um, and that is something that if I didn't have that, I could somehow, I think, fall into the, the misconception that somehow this is spreading through my own work. But because I need to ask my husband, for instance, to squeeze out toothpaste, um, even though I'm a dentist, um, then that continues to remind me that this is not of my doing. And I just have to continue to um, just surrender. And, you know, as as our father possibly shared with me once when we were talking, he we were he had been up all night. Of course, I think he was in his seventies, um, working at a, a shelter. And I said, "Oh my goodness!" So can you, and he said, "Well, if the Lord asks me and He gives me the strength to do it, who am I to say no?" So I mean, he if He provides and He asks, then we we just I guess um, there's no reason not to try. That's right. How beautiful it is. Thank you so much for being a guest on Sewing Hope and. Really, you encompass everything that this podcast is all about, you know, because crosses do come in all of our lives. So I, I thank you for sharing your story. And uh, and it's incredible how the Lord has led you to do ministry with children. We haven't done that many podcasts uh, here on Sewing Hope having to do with children's ministry. So it's really exciting for me that we're interviewing you where we can talk about that aspect, too and how God is working in your life um, and how you've made that outreach through prayer. And I love the story about how um, it made a difference even for your own church community when you started to get involved with what you're doing. Absolutely. I think right now the um, children have a lot to give to the church um, through their, and, and not a lot of people think to ask them for help. So when my pastor called out for help for the parish, I don't think he was directing his his requests at all to the children. And yet it was the children that actually uh, were, I think, you know, very open to helping him. And ultimately, I think, did, did bring wonderful fruits and grace to the situation because our parish has not merged with another church and it has remained a freestanding parish in some very unusual times in our town and where other parishes have had to merge. So, um, and I also, um, just a miraculous thing to share, um, last summer, a little over a year ago, um, I had the opportunity to go to East Africa. Now, given the disabilities that I've just been sharing with you, you can imagine that such a, a decision to travel to East Africa would be one met with certainly by my husband is like disbelief that I would even consider this because, you know, I have trouble on our bumpy roads in West Hartford, Connecticut. And so, um, the idea of going on a plane for 15 hours, um, it was already a crazy idea at, at first blush, but I really felt my heart opening in prayer to the idea that I should try to go and visit these groups and people I'd been communicating with for years, um, sending rosaries, thousands of rosaries to groups. And so um, in the summer of 2019, I was able to go with my family, my whole family, even though my husband's Jewish. And um, we went to Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. And I just, seeing those children in those schools and just lining the, the streets when I would come in, they were, they were so open to helping Our Lady and Our Lord. And in the, it, was, it was really just incredibly hopeful to talk about hopeful. I mean, just to see these children and all, I mean, some of them had walked so far to meet with us and without food for most of the day. And one particular day I'm thinking of, they had come at 1030 in the morning, some walking several hours, no food was available to them while they waited for us as we were coming from a great distance of different dioceses. And when we arrived, um, I was able to meet with them and they had been praying. I think ultimately it was either 15 or 20 decades of the rosary while they waited for us. 
Um, they were all, you know, completely engaged with when I went to talk to them. And the first thing I did was I made a point to look at every, try to look at every child's face as I spoke to them, because I, there was just absolutely no way I could thank them for what they were doing. But I wanted to acknowledge them, each of them, particularly. And they just the openness and willingness and the prayers of the heart. And so have them having so little, um, a lot of them brought fruit, fruit and things from their own family farms to share with us, which just brought me almost to tears. Um, and then the sky started to like rumble up as while we were talking to them and the kids, we realized that this was clearly a sign. The rain was coming, not expected, I should mention. And these kids ended up walking, leaving around 5 p.m. and some not reaching their homes till 10. And they, the reaction the next morning when we saw them for mass was, they saw this was a blessing. Rain in Africa is always seen as a blessing. And there was no damage to the farms, which was very unusual. And the rain only extended to the areas where all of these little prayer groups, um, these outposts of the parish were. And so this was to them such a beautiful gift that this, this rain had come well needed and it only in the areas where they had been praying. And even though they suffered and walked for hours in muddy, dirty, you know, conditions with no street lights in the dark, they still were seeing God's providence in it and just thanking our Lord. So, I mean, this is the kind of hope, openness. I mean, this is what a simple soul will do. And that's what I think why our Lord loves children is that they just, they give thanks, they're open, they're loving, they're trusting and all these things that we all should be. That's what they are. So I've, you know, by surrounding myself by children, I hope they have helped me in my spiritual journey. <laughs> oh, it sounds like they have. It just, and it's an amazing witness to what they can do for all of us. I mean, that little testimony uh, is so beautiful because, man, they can do so much for us right here in 2020 as we're locked up in, you know, in quarantine or whatever uh, during a coronavirus. I mean, what a, what a beautiful story. And just to know to trust God and, 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 um, you know, and, and, and even taking that step further, too, um, of, of uh, you know, committing their, committing their lives. They're, they're so open to be able to commit their lives to Christ, to be able to commit their lives uh, to, to Jesus, right? I mean, like, this, this is something that, uh, w with their open heart, they're able to, you know, encounter that love if it's, if it's you know, shown to them in a, in a loving way, and that's what you're doing. Uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the the child consecration too, because because I because I know that uh, this is a, a a wonderful new project that you th that you've just completed, and um, and it's such a very neat um, a neat thing. We hear about consecration all the time to you know the Sacred Heart, or we hear about you know uh, Saint Louis de Montfort's consecration or whatnot, but very rarely do we hear something about child consecration. So uh, tell, us right. little, tell us a little yeah. bit about how that came to be. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, so this project's been in the works almost about three years. And uh, I see it really as a, a, a really a tool that Our Lady has. She sees all these children praying. I mean, all of this is obviously not lost, I'm sure, on our Lord and Our Lady. And she attentively sees that they're ready to make the next step. They're ready to advance on that, you know, to, to reach to the next level of spiritual heights. And so she is a tender mother wanting her, that her, her children to continue to get closer to the heart of our Lord would give them more opportunities to do this. And so I see that this is a tool for them and not exclusively for them. I should mention it it's, can be used by any child or adult. And we're seeing actually a sense of release that many priests, adults, other people are finding this a very, um, relevant and, and useful tool for them as well, because although it's based on the St. Louis de Mont for consecration that most people are aware of the 33 days of preparation, um, it, it approaches it in a spirit um, much like St. Therese. And, and so it's uh, characterized by simplicity, confidence, and trust. And not that we just have quotes of St. Therese, it's actually just infused into the writing. So it's very simple, but not simplistic um, writing. And it starts with an allegory and it's kind of a timeless allegory where, you know, somebody a hundred years ago would be able to understand or presumably in a hundred years could also, it's, it's set in the garden um, of a child trying to work and work the soil. Um, and so there's toils and difficulties, but there's a lot of things that come through, um, as you know, in the, in the gospels and working the soil. And this initial allegory was something that came in prayer or really was just an inspiration um, pretty 
on one particular night, I was trying to fall asleep. And I, I took down the, the ideas of the, the parable, you know, as I was thinking about them. And then it was only over a much longer period of time in prayer with, you know, at mass, jotting down ideas that would come that would explain what each part of the parable meant. And so, and that was very closely linked up to what the different components of St. Louis de Mont for consecration. So if someone wants to grow in simplicity, confidence, trust, and also to get uh, do a consecration to Jesus through Mary, this is a very nice method to use. It also allows children who normally wouldn't have access to this type of a consecration down to the ages of about five to be able to, to um, give their hearts at a young age. And, and, and this is addressed in the book is so many of us in our, you know, as we're advancing in our lives and our years are even further in our years, so other people maybe in their 60s or 70s who may figure out that this was a very effective way to a straight path to our Lord, um, wished, you know, that they might've known about this when they were younger and what that would have done to their journey. But imagine to put this in, into a child's hands right when they're starting out, when they are innocent and their innocence can be preserved and they can have appreciation for how precious time is. Um, the, you know, the, some of the different spiritual lessons that would take many years to learn, Our Lady will show them very soon about this, about trust, but particularly in trust and not worrying, seeing the providence of our Lord, thanking him when we see blessings coming and, and continually being a grateful soul. So these lessons that come um, early in life can, re can really uh, yield great fruits if we can uh, help form our children in holiness at a young age. Thank you. As a mother, it's so great to hear you speak. Uh, I, I think I share with you life because we spoke just before this broadcast. Uh, I have kids in my, in, in their twenties and it's never too late. So no matter how old your kids are, they can learn about this. So I invite people to go to childconsecration.com and learn more about your awesome ministry. You made a great point when you say too, that you know, the earlier you learn about the graces of God through the Blessed Mother, through this consecration, uh, the more blessings come because uh, let's face it, as we get to a certain age, you know, there is a certain kind of, um, you know, negativity that can come about life. And when you have that knowledge that, you know what, even if sickness comes, even if uh, challenges um you know, distances from God, it doesn't matter. God can still get you through when you follow him on that path, uh, no matter what your age, but it's so great to get them on board uh, at a young age. So I commend you for that because it's uh, a real blessing to families when everyone can celebrate the faith together. I'm sure that you've been blessed to see so many families praying the rosary. Well, it is, it's, it's, in this world when there's so much bad news <laughs> that this is you know the emails i get the pictures the places the different countries and we have a new group meeting in venezuela tomorrow um morning at 9 a.m and and i just heard about a new group that started two weeks ago in malaysia one of our first groups in malaysia so um i remember receiving the first pictures from cuba when i was seeing you know the church is full with children and and their families praying um, just just uh, when we had our first group meet in Siberia up in, in Russia in 2017. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful to see. I remember them telling me they were so far north that um, one of the things we do in the children's rosary is we give flowers to Our Lady at the each, end of each decade. It's an optional component, but a lot of the kids like it. And at the first meeting, I was speaking to the pastor via email, and he, I said, oh, it would be great if you could give them, you have them give flowers. And he says, oh, up this far north, we, you know, flowers are really hard to come by. But they still managed to get flowers to give to Our Lady. Um, and then when I was in Africa, to see the children bringing wildflowers in from, you know, all around uh, to give to Our Lady was uh, such a beautiful thing to see. So no matter where people are, um, they find a way. There was a little thing um, when you're talking about really having an opportunity to work with a child when they're very young. Uh, St. Therese acknowledged that as well um, in her autobiography. She said, God gave me the consolation of contemplating at close range the souls of little children. She reflected seeing innocent souls at such close range. I understood what a misfortune it was when they were, were not formed in their early years, when they are soft as wax upon which one can imprint either virtue or vice. So these children are very impressionable and they can be guided in one direction or the other, but they need our help. 
And um, as a parent, it's certainly very difficult to raise holy children today. And so we need we need our blessed mother to help us back us up as parents, because I know I have a, a lot of uh, <laughs> flaws I bring to this. Um, and my, our blessed mother has been a big um, support and helping, especially protect purity. I've noticed in, in, in my children, um, which was an area of concern for me. And that's, um, I'm very grateful to her. Uh, so so it's, it's not time. Yeah. Praise God. It's not time. Um, it's, it's time well spent, let's say to, to, to make this consecration. And if, if you're a grandparent, um, and you're wanting to make a lot lasting impact on your grandchildren, um, there's, as we see many ways to connect with your grandchildren via, you know, zoom or all these different methods or phone, you could call each night and, and do the prayers, the daily prayers and, and readings together. The readings only take about maybe five, 10 minutes and then some prayers associated with them. And that is a, a gift that will have a long lasting effect. We're also seeing schools using the books on every day in the classroom, um, there's already a school in Birmingham and we're looking at other schools, but there's already a school in Birmingham. The teacher's using in the first grade class. She said the fourth and the fifth grade classes, classes would be starting um, soon to lead up to the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. We're seeing faith formation classes, such as um, one of the parishes in, in the Venice Diocese of Florida, using it for their faith formation. So there's a lot of opportunities to use this in different ways. Yeah, that's incredible. Hey, I would love to hear about your own family and your kids. How old are your children at this time? Well, as you remember, uh, the children's rosary started 10 years ago. So when they, um, when we started the children, uh, well, I should say now our oldest is 20. So, um, our, then her brother, uh, is, it, is uh, 16 and then our youngest is 13. So, um, we've got teenagers and beyond. And, and I definitely know that feeling of, you know, wanting to see, seeing kind of like, you know, all the things in the, out in the world and you kind of want to make sure everything's, you know, your kids are off on the right track. So this, this is something I think that helps, you know, people, teenagers. Um, I'm thinking also, I've been talking to some people who are doing confirmation preparation. This would be a good, good method. And people shouldn't be um, misled by the title child, child consecration. Um, I think one of the things that we talk about a consecration often to Jesus through Mary as being an armor. Um, and there's another spiritual, a very effective spiritual protection, that's humility. And so for an adult to pick up something like this, it's already lowering yourself because you're, you're picking up something that a child could read. So it's a hum, it's a act of humility to use the material. And so you're getting this incredible grace of, of the act of humility and the armor of doing a consecration. So it's incredibly powerful for spiritual protection, I think, uh, for adults and priests. Bishop Keenan of Scotland is gonna be using this for his personal consecration, inviting um, his diocese to join him. So here's an, a bishop with his you know, education level and the grace of his position. And even he, um, in great act of humility, um, wants to use this particular book for his own personal consecration. So. Um, that was just a beautiful witness to me of, of you know, the, the vast groups of people that could use it. You know, I have to say, I love children's books, especially religious, Catholic religious children's books, because sometimes they have uh, a great ability to connect the basics of what we need to know uh, in a pretty fast and quick, easy to understand way. So that's the one thing personally that I love about books like yours that really just spell it out in an easy fashion. Um, so thanks for that story. That's really a good one that the bishop himself uh, used it and, and enjoys it and likes to promote it. So um, now I know that you have a great love also of St. Therese of Lisieux, which you just said. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know that it says right on your webpage that to Jesus through Mary, following in the spirit of St. Therese, the little flower. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I mean, I do have a personal connection to St. Therese. I did choose her as my confirmation saint. So unbeknownst to me, I have, you know, um, I didn't know that she would play such a role in my life ultimately. And so I had that early connection to her through my conf confirmation. But um, I certainly was touched by her own autobiography, as many have been. 
And when this inspiration came, it came initially with this, as I mentioned, the allegory and, and the connection of St. Therese was, was immediate. So I knew from the beginning that she would be a play a very big role in this book. And um, ultimately, like I say, the style of it is written in a spirit very much associated with her. And, uh, and I don't think you can say enough about the importance of simplicity. Um, in day 24, I'll just read to you um, this, little, this little portion here. It says, sanctity is something children in particular can attain as is most easily reached through simplicity. Once when St. Therese was participating in recreation, a saintly novice mistress spoke to her. She stated, my child, it seems to me you don't have very much to tell your superiors. Therese asked why the mother thought this. The nun responded, because your soul is extremely simple, but when you will be perfect, you will be even more simple. The closer one approaches to God, the simpler one becomes. St. Therese relates, the good mother was right. So that childlike spirit, that simplicity that we think of St. Therese is so important. And I think, um, you know, this comes through some of the other days, you know, a simple soul doesn't worry about what tomorrow brings. It's, it's very much just concerned about the moment and, and doing what our Lord wants. Um, a simple soul sees God's hand in everything, even if it's not something that seems to be going your way. Um, so divine providence isn't just acknowledging the good things that seem to happen. It's just acknowledging that our Lord is guiding everything. Um, and also a simple soul is grateful because they know that these beautiful things that are coming and any, all that is coming is a gift from God and not their own doing. Um, they don't really look as much as thinking these things are all because of their own talents, um, but things that were gifted to our Lord by our Lord, rather, um, and graces. So I think all of us can, can use to grow in simplicity uh, and trust. I think trust draws down our Lord's grace in a very powerful way. So if a, if a particular person um, wants to grow in simplicity, confidence, and trust, this would be a good um, method to do that uh, because it just is um, inherently, you know, throughout the book is, is that message and, and why you would want to be that way. Yeah. And the prayers that go along, I think, help you and our Blessed Mother helps you because she, she um, herself is very simple, even though she's Our Lady Seat of Wisdom. You know, yeah, I, that's uh, beautiful. It is. It is. And that message of simplicity, I think, really stands out for these days that we're living in. You know, I mean, everything seems so very complicated, so very, you know, convoluted at times. And uh, I, I really liked what you said about, you know, you see, you know, being, being a simple soul means seeing uh, God in not just the good things, but in all things, you know, and and that is and seeing God's hand in all things uh, is what a simple soul does, even if they're not necessarily positive or good things, um, being able to have that mentality, especially during these times. There's something that this is speaking to, I think, a lot of hearts right now that are listening to this, because, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit can, can work and and desire we desire simplicity when 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 we follow god it's like everything else kind of falls falls by the wayside you know we're not worried about tomorrow as you said life there's something so powerful about that and so and so thank you for reminding um people of that especially during these times you know uh if if you're feeling overwhelmed make your life more simple <laughs> make your life more simple if you're feeling overwhelmed uh and and the blessed mother and the peace uh, that that comes from her will flow through uh, your soul too, and so what a beautiful message! Thank you for uh, being here and reminding us of that. I think that's such a core message that we have to uh, really take to heart during these times. Yeah, I agree, Bill, and thank you so much, Blythe. Um, I'm getting so much from this podcast because I'll admit I'm getting to know you and your ministry, and even though my children are older, that whole message about simplicity and about hum humility is something for all of us, you know, it's for every single one of us, whether or not you've gone through some kind of suffering or not, you know, because I think all of us will have some kind of suffering in our lives, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever. So it, it's just a great thing. And also I'm thinking of the fact that uh, today's children are going through a lot more confusion 
than I know than I did when I was a young child and even my children who are in their 20s now. Uh, it's much more difficult, I'm thinking, for a kid below the age of 12 when they're seeing what's going on in the world, when uh, the public schools aren't uh, exactly teaching the way that they did years ago. That's all I'll say. Uh, I think you both understand what I mean when I say that. Uh, it's confusing. It's very confusing for families. So I didn't know if you had any words of advice to families who may be listening and thinking, you know, we're living in this difficult world right now. How can we stay closer to Christ on our walk? Yes. Um, well, I think one of the things we have to think about is where are the hearts of our children? Where is our own heart? But, um, and if we can get our hearts too close to Jesus, then they, then our Lord, when they're close like that, then they are on the right path. And there's a lot of distractions. One of the, 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 the teacher I sent the book to, she, she really summed it up really nicely because she said, um, uh, let's see, um, one, of the, one of the children she was just mentioning had been praying on that Friday when they'd gathered, they had a children's rosary prayer group that meets weekly. Um, one of the students uh, prayed aloud, oh, oh God, I love you and I want the whole world to love you. This is a mission our Blessed Mother has placed in the hearts of the little ones. They would take this mission of this consecration and bring this directly to their families. I see very loving, busy, and at times overwhelmed parents trusting in Jesus more and more as they hear the words of the Holy Spirit spoken through their children. So that I, that really, when I heard her say that, I, or read that, she said, she said, I see loving, loving, busy, and at times overwhelmed parents. I think that's that she's putting her finger on it is that they, these parents, they do love their children. And, and unfortunately, I think sometimes because they love them so much, they get, you know, feeling like they have to have all of these, you know, activities, um, which is, I think, a trap of, of the modern society is that, that the number of activities that you have your children involved in somehow equates to how much you love them. Um, and unfortunately, I think that because of the what people are being drawn into it that way, that they're eroding some of that, that kind of time, that family time that they have with their family uh, and with their children. So um, hopefully, you know, with things like this consecration book, that these children are able to draw their families in a way back to our Lord and to the basics um, and praying together at night, even briefly to start and then growing that in the, in the home. So uh, I think, Praying in the home is uh, a very big protection and our families and our children are under constant attack. And we need to think about how we're gonna protect because um, the world is very attractive right now, all the worldliness. So uh, in order to help our kids along, we've got to give them every bit of armor they can have access to. Yeah, that's a good, good point. Um, I think the world can be attractive but to be quite honest, it might be a great time to evangelize because if I were a kid, I would look at what's going on and I would think, wow, the world isn't so attractive. I don't know if any of you think that way, but to me, I would see what's going on in our world at this current time right now and think there's got to be something better than this. So maybe it's a great time to, right. Great I time see to Bill evangelize. nodding. Yeah, it's great you get time it. to evangelize. Right, it uh, is. You know, I mean, the, when, when the world says, you know, lock down, uh, don't go out, you know, uh, I think, I think uh, you know, God is, God is always speaking to our hearts that um, in, in, in the simplicity to, to see the beauty in nature and to see the beauty in um, those family relationships, Blythe, that you're talking about, you know, having that time to spend in family relationships, you know, versus getting so busy that you that you lose um, that precious time. That you know, time is something we're never going to get back. Time is something that we're never going to get back. Uh, and and when you um, w when you give in to that worldly pressure or that worldly way um, of of filling your life with so much stuff that you just are constantly distracted. You end up um, you you end up missing the those core important things, 
you end up missing those core important things like like the the beauty of your you know children just being around you being able to uh impact them hang out with them get 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 to know their spirit i think that you have some incredible insights um that 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 we all just really need to take to heart and to and to really pray about um and 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 bring to the rosary i mean you know i i I, I think one of the things that maybe be blocking some of the um, people listening to this uh, might be, you know, how do how do they get started? You know, I think that you know you, you brought it up in your personal journey a little bit too, Blythe, about you know, okay, you know, it 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 starts with what the confession. It starts with the rosary. It starts with those things. Do you, do you have anything you can kind of speak into that a little bit? Just, just what is somebody out there, if they're out there struggling to get started or, you know, they feel like they've got this monumental task of leading their family uh, and, and they maybe don't have the, the, the spirituality cultivated themselves, what would you say to them? I do think a confession to start is, is excellent uh, because as St. Teresa of Avila talks about is that when you have a layer of sin, it's like a cloud around you. And so you kind of, you can't hear the, what our Lord's trying to guide you towards is easily because of that cloud. So if you break that down, then you're going to be able to hear more clearly um, the inspirations of where, where does our Lord need you? He needs you for something. I mean, we all are needed for something. There's some part of the plan, like we each have a piece to it. And we, if we're not doing it, it left, it's left undone. And so and if our, if our Lord doesn't have our love, then he's not going to get it from anyone else. Each of our loves is different. So uh, he waits for us. He's waiting for us. So the, co- the confession's key. Um, I do think a consecration would be high yield. I mean, that is going to, that's going to, it builds this particular one, the child consecration, um, it builds in the prayer. So it, it's gently, big, it's gentle in that it starts off very slowly with the amount of prayer, but it builds. And um, so you can weave it into your life and not have it be disruptive. Um, so, and I was given the great grace with this, this disability, which I believe is a, an incredible grace because I can't, I couldn't pick up a cell phone, you know, and use it. So I couldn't drive a car. So I ended up on a bus and I had to walk everywhere. So I had lots of time to be quiet and pray. And I didn't have the distractions because I couldn't pick up a phone and use it as a cell phone, an iPhone. So people think I'm, you know, I'm sort of counterculture, but it really wasn't like initially a big decision. It was a gift from our Lord to simplify my life and to let me be quiet more. Um, so, because I had to be walking everywhere um, and I didn't, I didn't have a phone. So, and I still don't carry a phone uh, because my hands are still very weak. So, um, so anyway, uh, but it is hard to let go of those things. And I, I completely understand that. So I'm, please don't think that I'm at some particularly special place. It's, it's been, um, it's been more of a gift of, of from the reward than something I think I would have had the strength to do myself. You have such great wisdom. I, and I really mean that when I say it. Um, and I know we're both mothers. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking about just raising children and the question that Bill had for you. And sin is always a cloud for so many of us. And one sin that some of us go through is not so much uh, some of those vices, but maybe what someone else did to you. Um, or some kind of unforgiveness that you have for someone who really deeply hurt you. And I know that there might be somebody listening who think, you know what, I I try my best in my way of virtue, but way back when somebody did this to me and I still can't get over that. Do you have any words uh, for that person that might be listening? If that makes any sense. It does. It does. Um, yeah, the grace of forgiveness is is a very powerful grace, and and we should also pray to understand who we haven't forgiven, and because we might not always know that. I feel like sometimes that's a something that's unfolding always for us. Is there some one thing um, someone recommended to me recently is people have hurt us. The best reaction, and this is something I think I can decide, make a decision to do, is just pray for a blessing for them. And so I'll I'll stop and and. Um, like when they have the sign of peace at mass, I just stop for a second and say, oh, I'm going to um, offer peace to anyone's hurt me or done something wrong to me or something like that. And, and if I see somebody, I've started to pray, you know, a blessing, a little blessing for their family, a prayer for them. If uh, I'm feeling very opposite with them and their political views or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. So, so I'm thinking that that is actually some little conscious thing we can do 
on a road to trying to have better, more perfect forgiveness. And it is through grace alone, because to forgive is, is a difficult thing. And we need our Lord's help to do that properly. Yeah, it's, thank you for what you just said, because it makes a lot of sense, especially right now. I mean, uh, on Sewing Hope and on all of our podcasts, we don't get into political candidates or talking about politics very much, but it does make a lot of sense because that is a, a cause of division. I mean, we can admit that, that sometimes there's a division there because this person is voting for this person or this person is not pro-life or whatever it is, you know? Um, so that some forgiveness is is needed for all of us when we look at somebody not understanding their heart or their decisions. But my advice to them would be that, you know what, sometimes it's out of our control. I think you would agree with me, Blythe. Uh, not everything's in our control. Most things are, well, all things are really in God's control, not ours. So we we can only do so much to influence somebody, but we just have to exit out and say, you know what, this isn't my ball game. This is God's right? And, and just leave it to God to, to work it out. Um, and I think also, Blythe, I don't know if you have any comment on this, that we can't really pray for results. And sometimes I think as Catholics, we do that. Um, we pray a lot of rosaries and we pr pray a lot of prayers and hope that this is going to happen, that we're going to see an answer to this prayer. And, you know, many people have died and haven't seen during their lifetime an answer to their prayers, but it doesn't mean that we should stop. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I, I have to, I know exactly what you're saying. And I, I also have a, my husband and I share very different political views. Um, and so I've had to learn in my prayers to be extremely sensitive to how I'm praying. And, and that's also in the sense of, asking our Lord uh, through to give people wisdom in their decisions to that the Holy Spirit will guide the election and different things like that, which is not not forcing my own of presupposition of what should be the act, but, but asking our Lord to guide us and through his wisdom, uh, because because, as you say, um, we don't want to force our, our own. Um, and and I and I do hope for, you know, you know, I have a particular hopes for the re results of things, but I also do know, you know, I remember hearing Desmond, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu say once, he said, um, good, good times, empty churches and bad times fill them. So if our Lord yes. should see to allow certain things to unfold in the world in a particular way, that seems very, it's very difficult for us to understand why this would unfold in such a way. Maybe it's for the good of conversion of souls and bringing more people back to church you know, you know, I don't, I don't know the answers. I'm just, this again comes to the simplicity of knowing that these things are well above my pay grade. You know, I'm being called not to make decisions at that level, but only to be about my duties and what our Lord has called me to do in my state of life. And so if I'm about my duties and my, and what our Lord's calling me to do, then, then I'm doing what I understand to be his will. Amen. Amen. And I don't know if you agree, uh, Blythe or Bill, but I do think that when we reflect back on our grandparents, um, I happen to be very close with my mother's mother, who's deceased for a long, long time. I mean, she died in 1993, so it was a long time ago, but um, I was in my 20s at the time. But I still remember uh, some of her life lessons. And older people many times have gone through such suffering. I know Bill's nodding and he understands because he, his grandmother was a person of faith. And I know that God bless her. Um, and when we think of those people in our lives that have come and gone, friends that have died, people who have suffered, we really learn so much from them. Don't we, don't we, when we can intercede to them now that they've gone to be with the Lord. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, elderly, I mean, older people have great wisdom. I mean, they, they see the full arc and I think they're given a, a, the grace of a perspective that, that um, comes after you, you see kind of what, what really matters. And so it all sounds pretty trite or something, but it's so true. I mean, the time we have with our kids is short. I've heard that all the time and I see it now so clearly. So it's very good to listen to folks who've, who've had more years of experience for sure. Um, and and our, we have such a faithful, you know, that the, our older generation is, is, 
there's so much strength there. They came from families that prayed growing up. And I see Our Lady drawing on them to help young children in particularly, particular, uh, because there's there's some some um, areas where you know people in their 20s, 30s, 40s probably didn't grow up praying the rosary at home. So they have a lot to give right now yeah. because we're deficient. Yeah, you know, I love that. It and and you know, it seems like we've just covered the whole uh, the the whole gamut from you know from from uh, womb to tomb here, and it's such a womb wonderful thing. It's such a wonderful thing though, because you know, us people in the middle, right, the middle aged, us middle aged here, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to turn to the young people. I got to turn to my children to to encounter the Blessed Mother and and see the simplicity. And as uh, people who age or are much older than us, we're able to see the, the simplicity as, you know, things are stripped away for, from them with their, uh, with their, you know, physical ability and things like that. So there's so much wisdom in just what you're talking about. And, uh, and Blythe, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I, I want to make sure in the time we have left just to uh, for you to tell us how people can get uh, in, both in touch with the uh, with the children's rosary and also the uh, the child consecration book. So if you would tell us how people can get this and um, and, and encounter this, that would be wonderful. Great, thank you so much. Uh, the website for the child uh, the child consecration book is very simple: child childconsecration.com. So again, childconsecration all one word dot com. And that actually you can do the, um, the, the consecration online as well as purchase a book. So we offer it in both ways and the online version is free. So there's really no, nothing to hold you back there. And then if you want information on the children's rosary, it's childrensrosary.org. And we have a blog called childrensrosary.blogspot.com. Uh, there's emails, the, I think info at children'srosary org um, is forwarded to me, so I'll get those emails. Um, and then our phone number, 860-785-3340, 860-785-3340. I think biblical 3340, you know, there's some numbers there to remember, I think easy. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah, those are some ways to reach us and um, happy to help any way we can. And thank you so much for your time and helping us promote this book and the program moment. Oh, absolutely. This, uh, you know, it's so it's so much fun to have you and, and thank you uh, for your great work. And, and, and please be in touch with us. Uh, we'd love to have you back. And you have just a great uh, you have a great story of humility and and know that the Holy Spirit and the Blessed Mother are going to you know propel you even further uh, than than you can even imagine. So so thank you so much for your for your time and and, and being here tonight with us. I thank you too. I just want to thank you. And it's great to meet a new friend because I will mention if I could, that at the end of this month, there's going to be a conference that Blythe has been invited to be part of, which I invited her this evening. Uh, it's called God is Mercy with smartcatholics.com. So do keep an eye on smartcatholics.com for God is Mercy. And um, I'm pretty sure Blythe that you're going to be a guest uh, for this conference uh, with me and so many others too to talk about the mercy of God and all the great work that you're doing uh, to make the world a better place through ministering to children and this consecration. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, it has been a wonderful show tonight. And again, uh, if you, if you've uh, missed anything, you need to rewind the podcast, of course, uh, and, and know it's available anytime on our uh, website, patchworkheart.org. But please, um, you know, also uh, go ahead and check out Blythe's websites. Again, uh, childconsecration.com and childrensrosary.org. Uh, it's great to have uh, all of that uh, available to you as you continue journeying in your faith. Uh, October uh, being the month of the rosary, uh, it's great. Uh, it's definitely a great thing to do here as we wind up the month. So uh, thanks to Blythe and to Anne as always, and uh, just keep beating to your Catholic hearts as uh, this month winds down. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. 
You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too.